Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for January 10th, 2016. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jack Steen, co-pastor with Russ Steen at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon today is entitled, I Promise with the Help of God. For coming. We barely got him born again. And this past Wednesday, January the 6th, marked the day that the wise men came to visit. If you thought that they arrived in your manger scene before Christmas, you were theologically incorrect. And now we're already at his baptism. We just don't get enough time with baby Jesus and toddler Jesus and preteen Jesus, and young adult Jesus. Isn't that always the way it is, though? If you've ever been a part of the raising of any child, whether as a parent or a family member, a friend, a babysitter, a teacher, you know how true it is that time does indeed fly. We never get enough time when they are young And now, in the liturgical year, with epiphanies appearing, Christmas is officially over. And sweet little eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus is a man launching a ministry and a movement. And he sets out on this task by making his way through the waters of baptism. What an odd choice of symbolic commitment don't you think water in a river as we get started this morning I want you to remember your own baptism if you can or if you can't remember yours or if you've never been baptized I want you to remember one you've witnessed and if you've not witnessed one we can get Paul started right now running the water And by the end of the service, it'll be full enough. It won't get warm. But we can put somebody through today if they feel so led. I remember both of mine. The first, a sprinkling in a little Southern Methodist church when I was 13. And a second was a full immersing at First Baptist Church when I was 19. The sprinkling was meaningful, powerful, spiritual. The immersion was a bit coerced, not by any one person, but by a system that required such for membership. I'm so glad that's not our way. Baptism should always be meaningful, powerful, spiritual, and never, ever coerced, which is what it must have been for Jesus. Meaningful, powerful, spiritual. As Luke tells it, Jesus was one of many baptized that day. And it gets a little confusing because did you notice in there that John was arrested in the middle of it? So who baptized Jesus if John was in prison? But I don't have time to deal with that right now. Let's just go with John baptized him. 
And he wasn't the only one making a public commitment that day. After Jesus had passed through the water, and while he was praying, that's when he hears those words of blessing that we all long to hear, beloved, well pleased. It's the words we all yearn to hear. Sure, we want to hear them from others that matter to us, from those that we respect, but to hear them from within, knowing that they originate with God, that's what we all long for. Sure, it would be great if the heavens opened up and a booming voice declared it for all to hear. Sure, something like a descending dove of peace would be nice to see. But it's likely that all we are going to get is a feeling welling up inside of us that is warm and comforting and nudges us to action. Let's be honest. We don't get this feeling often enough. What is it that keeps us from hearing those words, you are my child, my beloved, in you I am well pleased? We must learn how to listen for those words that I believe God is desperately trying to say to us. Perhaps because practically no one else is using this language. Maybe that's what makes it hard for us to hear it and understand it and interpret it. All day, every day, lots of words come at us. Not many of them sound like, with you, I am well pleased. They sound like, you can do better. I'm so disappointed in you. Lose weight. Cut your hair. Shave your beard, sing better, play ball better, make better grades, sell more, buy more, be more, make more. In the midst of all the words that we hear, how many of them are affirmation of the kind that Jesus hears at his own baptism? And then we have to turn the question and ask ourselves, how often are we saying these words of affirmation to another. It hurts to ask it that way. What if we went about uttering the very words of God every chance we got, telling everyone in our path, you are God's child, the beloved, with you, God is well pleased. And immediately, maybe it's just me, but immediately our minds go to all the people that we can think of with whom God is not well pleased. Is it just me? We instantly start thinking about all the folks that don't deserve that affirmation, who've let us down, and surely that means has let God down. But truth be told, for many of us, we start that conversation with ourselves. We don't deserve to hear the words. We don't believe that we are deserving of a heaven-opening, dove-descending voice and presence in our own lives. So it feels a bit impossible to participate in this symbolic practice instigated at Jesus' baptism. I said that I had been baptized twice. And that's true, I guess. Unless you count the many with whom I've passed through the water. 
over the years, all the people that I have stood beside and held their hand and had their backs when I said those words, because of your decision to follow in the way of Jesus, I baptize you, my sister. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of Jesus, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in the newness of life. Raised to walk in the newness of life. Eight of the most important words one can ever hear. Raised to walk in the newness of life. Some of those have been hard to get completely under the water. They just resist when you get to that last moment and you feel like you're having to push them down to get the very tip of their head under. And if we're going to run that much water, I want you to get completely under. For a few, the water heater didn't work and the experience was frigid. A few have sputtered and gotten choked. One or two have stumbled, but the most difficult baptism was in Cuba. The largest man I have ever tried to put under. And as Drubal led us into the lake, and we didn't even get waist deep, I can hold up just about anybody with enough water. But that wasn't enough water. Well, it was easy enough for as Drubal to dip his small little teenage girl who probably weighed all of 75 pounds, but I needed to be deeper to get this man under. I should have insisted, but trying to follow the pastor's lead, I stayed put. I think I got him mostly wet, (laughs) and I just about went under myself in the process. And I remember the robe that he was wearing. We had sent a bunch of our old robes. Our Our good robes aren't good, so you can imagine how bad our old robes are. And we sent those to Cuba, and it wasn't quite enough cloth to cover his belly. It was really something to remember. (laughs) But never in any of these experiences in the water, no matter how sacred or funny, have I heard a voice bellowing, nor have I seen a dove descending. And yet I have witnessed commitments being made and seen in the drenched faces a glimpse of belovedness. And in those moments I have seen that each of the baptized ones had for that moment known the truth. They are God's child, the beloved, and with them God is well pleased. In Cuba, as the rest of the congregation stands on the bank of the lake, they participate in the blessing by putting their hands out over the water like this. They are adding their blessing to God's blessing in this moment of baptism. And then After we come out of the water, there's so much laughter and hugs, and no one cares if they get a little bit damp. I wonder if ours is too sanitized, too confined, too removed, 
Don't get me wrong. I love being able to see the bottom. And I love the heated water. But there's something about the murky, muddy, cold water of a remote lake in Cuba that reminds me a bit more of the way it may have been in the Jordan River for Jesus when he was baptized with many others. I was reading a blog this week about the baptism of Jesus. A UCC pastor writes this blog, and in it he says, Theologians think of the incarnation as happening in Mary's womb, as if it was a one-time event enacted by God to bring Jesus into the flesh. He said, but I tend to think of incarnation not as a singular event, but a long series of moments and choices to live out the calling Jesus had. Incarnation is an ongoing process of choosing to be fully engaged in human life. It means accepting the limits and blessings of being human, to not shrink in the face of suffering, to choose love, to be in community. Baptism is the first time Jesus makes his public choice. In his baptism, it's the first time we see Jesus choosing to live his divine calling by being fully human. The blogger goes on to tell about the UCC tradition where they baptize infants. He says, It makes sense that baptism has become the ritual of entry into the church. There's hope and promise that your life will follow the path of faith and that you will find the love of God in the community of the church. You have no control over it, no choice in the matter, but while you were completely helpless and unaware, God loved you, and divine grace and the Holy Spirit was with you. As adults, we choose to affirm our baptisms, or if we're Baptists, we choose to be immersed just as Jesus was. What God has done within us is now becoming incarnated and claimed. This pastor says, when we welcome people into the life of the church, we ask some extraordinary questions of them. I wonder if we ask enough extraordinary questions of those who choose to be in the life of the church. I'm not talking about being a member of Park Road Baptist. I'm talking about choosing to be in the life of the church. He says, we don't just ask people if they believe in Jesus and the Holy Trinity or if they will be good church folk or serve on committees or pledge or always agree with the pastor. But we do ask from the UCC book of worship, do you promise, according to the grace given to you, to be Christ's people, to follow in the way of our Savior, to resist oppression and evil, to show love and justice, to witness to the work and word of Jesus Christ as best you are able. He says, I have read those words to dozens of new members, confirmands, even parents bringing their children for baptism over the years, and I'm always a bit taken aback to hear them reply, I promise with God's Baptism, to me, sounds like joining a movement. 
calling isn't something just for pastors. You should all have reverend in front of your name if you're baptized. My calling is lived through preaching and teaching faith. Yours might be lived through health care or social work or teaching or engineering or as a parent or a grandparent or an activist. What is your calling? Have you heard your name as beloved? I promise with the help of God Whether you've been through the water or not, we are all capable of making this promise. The question is, how will you complete the promise? I promise, with the help of God, to receive the gifts of blessing that come my way, to hear those words that I am a beloved child of God and try to live out of that calling as if I have actually heard a voice and seen a dove. Can you make that promise? Or, I promise with the help of God to offer words of blessing every single chance I get, knowing that most people desperately need to hear those words of affirmation because they've never heard themselves called beloved even once in their lives. Can you make that promise? Or what about... I promise, with the help of God, to so follow in the way of Jesus that some folks might just mistake me for him. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you. This has been a production of Park Road Baptist Church.